You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 35 West Shelton Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. All right, so as we um, shift gears here, I want to give us a little um, context for the the story that we're going to be in today. Last week, we were all the way back in Genesis with Joseph when he's thrown into prison. We're fast forwarding into Exodus. So a lot happens. The Israelites have been enslaved for some time and God calls Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. And then God causes 10 plagues to happen in Egypt. The 10th plague just before this text, the 10th plague has just happened. It was the death of the firstborn of the Egyptians and all livestock, humans and animals. So after all of this, Pharaoh says, go. The, the Israelites, Moses had been saying, let, me, let, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, go. The text that we're in brings us to the conclusion of this whole long exodus story of of leaving Egypt. So Moses leads the people out into the desert, and God is leading the way with a cloud of, a column of cloud by day and of fire by night. We're picking up in Exodus chapter 14. If you want to follow along, the text is going to be behind me here. Justin's going to help us move through it. Pharaoh, in his not, not long after they left Egypt, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the Hebrew people. They said, what have we done letting Israel go free from their slavery to us? So he sent the, for his chariot and took his army with him. He took 600 elite chariots and all of Egypt's other chariots with captains on all of them. The Lord made Pharaoh, Egypt's king, stubborn, and he chased after the Israelites who were leaving confidently. The Egyptians, including all of Pharaoh's horse-drawn chariots, his cavalry, his army, chased them and caught up with them as they were camped by the sea, by Pihaharoth and in front of Baal Zephon. So Pharaoh changes his mind about the people. After he finally dis, uh, agrees to let them go, he changes his mind and pursues them. For hundreds of years, they had had this slave labor force in Egypt. Their whole economy relied on their slave labor. And faced with the loss of this economic productivity, Pharaoh goes back after them to bring them back. And he goes with massive force. There's a lot of details in these few verses to show us that he took 600 elite chariots, all of Egypt's other chariots with captains on them, their horse-drawn chariots, his cavalry and his army, 
we get the idea in these couple of verses in lots of different ways that, that the, the elite, the powerful forces of the Egyptian empire are all following after them in huge numbers. Pharaoh takes all the military force that's available to him and specifically naming these chariots over and over. The chariots were essentially the cutting edge vehicles for war at that time. And all of the might of their collected armies are thundering down after the Israelites because he realized, Pharaoh realized what it would cost him to lose them. Despite the cost to his kingdom that they already suffered, they're still in the wake of losing all their firstborn and the, the, the firstborn of their livestock. Maybe perhaps even reinforced by this grief and the shock of what he lost, he collects all of his forces and moves to capture them again. So with the strongest military in the world, all of the power of the empire behind them, he is seeking after them. In verse 10, as Pharaoh drew closer, the Israelites looked back and saw the Egyptians marching towards them. The Israelites were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, weren't there enough graves in Egypt that you took us away to die in the desert? What have you done by bringing us here out of Egypt like this? Didn't we tell you the same thing in Egypt? Leave us alone. Let us work for the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to work for the Egyptians than die in the desert. I think this fear is understandable. I know some of you who don't, don't even want to sit in a room um, where your back is to the door or where most people are behind you, right? You like to have your eye on the exit at all times. The Israelites look back and see the greatest military power bearing down on them and a sea in front of them. They, they are stuck. And they have been enslaved for hundreds of years. They were just set free by a God that they don't necessarily remember or know since their father Jacob. They're following Moses, who they doubt and understandably um, question him. They've left all that's familiar to go out into the desert, and they're camped by the sea that is impassable. So I think it's understandable that they are terrified. But Moses said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand your ground and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see will never, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You just keep still. Where else would they go? Um, what power do they have to actually resist the Egyptian army behind them? They don't have too many options. But pa Moses is speaking a word of comfort and direction here. In this impossible situation against enormously and, and seemingly immovable forces of water and the Egyptian army, Moses says, the Lord will fight for you. You can't win this or make a way for yourself. 
He's encouraging them, be brave. Don't give in to despair. See what is coming. Watch the Lord rescue you. Have the nerve to stay. Stand your ground and watch. Trust that God, trust God to handle this. The Lord will make a way. This is a life-changing moment for them. God is going to do something. You don't have to fight. The Lord will fight for you, Moses says. You just keep still. But then, notably, the Lord says to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to get moving. And Moses invokes God's power. He stretched out his hand over the sea, as the Lord told him, and the Lord pushed the sea back by a strong east wind all night, turning the sea into dry land. The waters were split in two. The Israelites walked into the sea on dry land. The waters formed a wall for them on their right and on their left. We don't know what the walls of water looked like on either side, but many artists have attempted to depict this moment. Here's one image that I found captivating. Uh, James Dive is a 31-year-old from Sydney, Australia. He researched biblical locations on Google Earth and then adapted the satellite images to show what the parting of the Red Sea might have looked like. We do know that the people moved. They took this leap to step in and to walk through. In Robert Alter's translation and, and commentary on the five books of Moses, he highlights the sequence of this part of the narrative, which in the text um, can seem a little confusing. The text says, in the morning watch, verse 24, by Israelites reckoning that that's the, the third watch of the night, so that would be between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m., That means that the Hebrews would have been marching through the sea during the night, and there's a pillar of fire which had been leading them, had moved to behind them, between them and the Egyptian army. People were walking between these walls of water in the darkness through the night. There's another image that I don't know the, uh, who to attribute it to, but I appreciated that the darkness of the night being represented and then also it looks like the dawning of the morning light is coming. This is an incredible act of faith for them to step into the space that God made and move through it. What do you think it was like for the Israelites to walk through a parted sea? The detail that God made the land dry seems to capture this complete and total way that God made for them. But God isn't moving them. They have to take the steps to move forward, to have enough trust and courage to walk. God is making the way possible, but the Hebrew people are claiming the way. 
as they move in between the waters. And meanwhile, the Egyptians see their movement and the movement of this pillar of fire, and they follow. They are are still single-mindedly pursuing these people for economic exploitation. That is their motivation. I don't know what they thought about moving in between the water, but apparently they, they were confident and didn't, the text doesn't say they hesitated. In verse 23, the Egyptians chased them and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and cavalry. As the morning approached, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian camp from the column of lightning and cloud and threw the Egyptian camp into a panic. The Lord jammed their chariot wheels so they wouldn't turn easily. The Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites because the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so the water comes back and covers the Egyptians, their chariots and their cavalry. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea at daybreak, the sea returned to its normal depth. Returning the sea to the place where it had been. The miracle ceases. The Egyptians were driving toward it. The Lord and the Lord tossed the Egyptians into the sea. Verse 28. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the cavalry. Pharaoh's entire army that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. There's total destruction of this military. Apparently they think that it will stay parted for them too. The power and the might and the greed that drew them into the sea led to their total destruction. They are not invincible. And the military vehicles, these chariots that we heard so much about, this is a symbol of their power. They literally got stuck. The wheels got jammed, perhaps by the returning waters that turned the dry land into mud. But whatever it is, the text said that the Lord jammed their chariot wheels so they wouldn't turn easily. They were stopped in their tracks. This this relentless pursuit of economic profit by military power ultimately leads to their destruction. And in contrast, God is beginning something new for the Hebrew people, bringing them out of slavery, out of suffering and oppression. God makes a way through the sea and brings them out under the hand out from under the hand of Pharaoh into a new life with God. God made the way. The Lord rescued Israel from the Egyptians that day. The people were in awe of the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. The relentless pursuit of economic profit by means of military power ultimately leads to destruction. In a country 
where that has made a relentless pursuit of economic profit by means of military power, there is a caution in this text for us. We cannot ignore the ways in which the U.S. has, built, has been built up by power and might and violence, controlling and profiting off of the labor and the land of others. The way in which we believe the lies of our own, of our power, will obscure our ability to see and participate in God's liberating work. And then on a smaller scale, I think about how fear works in this story and in our own lives. With all the difficulties and the dangers that we face, fear can obscure our ability to trust and move with the way that God is making. As you think about your agency and partnership with God, consider where you might feel stuck or powerless. Powerless to save yourself. It may in fact be in relationship to the lies of the empire that are just mentioned. Moses tells the people to be still. When Moses says, keep still, he starts with, don't be afraid. He is speaking to their fear. The fear of the people stirs up assumptions and blame and distrust and a desire to go back to what was rather than face an unknown future. They say, weren't there enough graves in Egypt that you took us away to die in the desert? In that question, you could hear that they assume the Egyptians are coming to kill them. Their death is bearing down on them. And actually, Pharaoh wants his labor back. But they assume that the punishment for leaving is going to be worse than if they stayed. They also say, What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt like this? They blame Moses. This wasn't our idea. You've done this to us. All the joy and the relief and the hope that I imagine they felt when they were leaving with their arms full of wealth, it disappears in a moment with the fear, and they blame Moses that this isn't going to work out. They say, didn't, didn't we tell you this back, the same thing back in Egypt? Leave us alone. Leave us to work for the Egyptians. Their distrust of Moses is coming up again. They didn't really know or trust him. Fear triggers our distrust. It would have been better to work for the Egyptians than to die in the desert They want to choose what is known over what is unknown. And Moses says to the people, don't be afraid. Keep still, quiet. Those assumptions, the blame, the mistrust, the instinct to choose the known over the unknown, be still. Don't let fear cause you to miss how God is making a way and your part in participating in it. 
God is making a way for freedom from all the power and the lies of the empire that pursue us, that get in us even. Maybe that word today for you is for, is for you today. Be still. Quiet all of that. It's, it's worth thinking about what are the difficulties or dangers that you are facing? And where is your fear? It's completely human to be afraid. But are there assumptions that you're making or blame or distrust or an instinct to choose the known over the unknown? These can cause us to miss what God is gonna do and our part in participating in that. The people did listen to Moses. They were able to take the step of faith. They moved into what was next. In the text, it immediately is followed by a get moving. The Lord tells Moses, tell the Israelites to get moving. Even into the darkness of the night with the walls of water around them. Have you ever experienced God making a way, a new way possible for you? What was it like to trust? To trust God as you made your way into an unknown future? What step can you take this week to keep moving with God, to not let fear get in the way? Let me pause to pray for us as we sit with some of those questions. God, you are a liberating God. You want to free us from the lies of the empire that order our world and get in to our own minds and hearts. You make a way when we cannot save ourselves, when things seem impossible. Help us to be still and get moving. We want to move with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at circleofhopenet.